live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Yeah, all right, here we go. Fun, 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 fun. Friday, Friday fun. Not so fun outside with the weather, so be very careful, please. Please. Leave the driving to the professionals, right, John? You and me? That's right. Everyone else, stay out of the way. Don't drive through. Standing water, especially, it looks like, uh, you know, if it's sitting there like four or five feet. Here's the thing. You don't know, right? We've all seen the signs. You don't know. You never know how deep it is. Turn around. Don't don't drown. Yes. Yes. So, Charleston right up the way by the 15. Stay out. Okay. That's a, that's a that's a big dipper. You got to be careful on that one. This is a callback to a day that you weren't here last week, uh, where I was wondering, and I asked our audience, "What is the quippy little rhyme that tells you not to drive through floodwaters?" And it was "Turn around, don't drown." So shout out to our audience. It works. Who knows everything? The ad campaign works. The yep. signs work. I didn't remember, but you did. The demand submission was, "Don't be stupid." Wait, no, was it? Oh, you came up with that one? That wasn't like... Uh, no, no. Turn around and drown is the, the Nevada water or whatever. Like, that's turn the around, official thing. Turn around, don't drown. Yes. Turn and around, you, don't you, drown. You just hit turn around, drown. Oh, uh, so yeah. Don't no. go through the water, but if you turn around, you're dead. Yeah, no. Turn around, don't drown. And then Damon submitted, um, don't be stupid and drive through it, which I was like, okay, that kind of works. It's a little aggressive, but it rhymes. It's a little aggressive. Yeah. You have to be aggressive, though. Yeah. If you're not, people don't listen. Agreed. It's like those old school like smoking commercials. I don't know if you remember those, the animated ones. Like they were, especially on MTV, they had like a really good run where there was one where I think a kid walks out of a store, lights a cigarette, blows the smoke, a bird flies through the smoke, chokes on it, dies in the air, and then its beak goes into the skull of a passing child. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And it's like, Kinda like don't that. smoke. It kills. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Pretty straightforward. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what do you mean? I don't get it. Right. It was a good campaign. Could you be more clear about it? Yep. There's another um, one where a guy coughed up his lungs, literally. Yeah, it's good. By the way, there's some drink ladies here. Can we find out? Are they giving out Jameson? What are they doing? Mateo, can we find out who the uh, these ladies over here, what they're doing? Um, they have white tops on, which scares me a little bit because we're going to get to a video in the middle of the show. It is one of the scariest female fights I've ever seen. <laughs> Just a vicious beast destroying people in a porta potty. But that's coming up. And it actually, I thought it was a college football game. It, it was not. It was a country concert. So go figure, right? <laughs> Down home, hey, Midwest values, and people are slaughtering each other. You know what happens. You try that in a small town. Ah, that's right. That's take care of it. Except that it happened in Pittsburgh. So <laughs> maybe they're from McKeesport. I don't know. I don't, do you know any small cities around Pittsburgh? I've nothing. I just made that I've, one I've up. Never it, even, that, that could be, no, that could be by Philly for all I know. I was going to say that's a lie. I was going to say I've never been in the state, but I was like, no, that's not true because I flew into Philly a bunch to drive to AC when I was doing those trips. So I've been to Philly. Whatever. Sorry, I'm looking up McKeesport. I think it's. Uh, I hope it's near. I hope it's near Pittsburgh. Otherwise, this whole show is not going to work today. Right out of the gates with a really, really bad, bad error. What can you do? You can move on, Steve. I can move on. I was trying to think of a. Yep, it's right there. Good, I nailed it. Um, no, I was trying to think of a good segue to uh, connect. Well, I guess I could. I forgot. Um, I can't keep track of conference chaos, and I mean going back like fifteen years because I can easily make a transition here. 
who isn't dying to see Pittsburgh football right. have to travel out to Palo Alto? Who's the uh, who's the whining guy who coaches Pittsburgh? He's always bitching and moaning about the transfer portal. Blanking oh, out his name. Yeah, me and too. I really don't like him. Yes, I know. Really, Why am I having he's this a Jersey guy. It? He's a Jersey guy who who pilfers from Pat Narduzzi. Yeah, Pat Pat Narduzzi, former Michigan State guy, uh, assistant coach. What are we doing? We're, we're, we're letting Malibu go by. What I mean, we're getting pictures. We got. I, you know, I think hey, he does. Mateo, in a little bit, a little bit, because we want pictures. We want pictures when we go to break. We want pictures. We do want to grab some in just a little bit. Yeah. I think it's an FCC violation. I said grab some. I didn't say drink them. Okay. We're just going to grab them, not the women. Just right. grab them and have them right here, like have yeah. a little Malibu cup. Right? All right. Cool. Okay. Thank you. Yes, we're into it. We're into it. All right. The last time I got really drunk and threw up, it was Malibu. It was not good. It might not be, like, truly Malibu. Well, it's, yeah, it's probably a lot of sugar, judging by that. It's probably some kind of mix. I would say pineapple juice, probably. Have we started yet? Oh, we're on the air. Okay. It's a little chaotic to start the yeah. show. Jared just flipped us up uh, a little early, so we were we were hashing things out here. Now, um, the latest news now in the conference chaos is schools like Pittsburgh uh, and Boston College, and I'm not going to do the whole you know UCLA, USC, going to Rutgers, right? I take that one personally. Um, it's very weird, though, this one. It is very weird. Stanford and Cal and SMU are going to join. They finally got the okay from the ACC. The reason it's weird is, is that once again you've got this odd graduation of the money share, but these schools are so desperate to be in the cool group, Mm. the power five, be at the table and not have a break from being at the table that they're like, I'm sure the rationale with Cal and Stanford is we cannot be with the Mountain West because it is going nowhere in terms of actually having a slot a guaranteed slot in the college football playoff, right? Mount West is involved, but they've got to compete with all of the group of five schools for that one spot in the 12. Cal and Stanford are leaving a conference that has been just broken apart, and at least they're they're in the club. Yes. But what they're going into is really weird here because they have kind of taken it in the shorts. And then SMU, money-wise, it's just like, eh, we don't want any of the money. So SMU, Cal... And Stanford finally got the okay from the ACC. It was what? Florida State, North Carolina, North Carolina State, and Clemson that were holding out. They needed one of those schools to flip. It finally happened late last night or this morning. So now the Atlantic Coast Conference includes Northern California's Cal and Stanford and Dallas's SMU. Yes. Makes sense. I, I, so there's a, I don't, <laughs> I've not really understood. Take a breath. Take, don't get all worked up. I can tell you're getting all worked up. Well, no, it's not even that. I just, so I, what I get confused by is when you look at what the Pac-12 was and the deal on the table for them was Apple and streaming and, you know, based on subscriptions and whatnot and all of that stuff. Why was that conference as a whole not more attractive, but the schools that made up the conference we're now attractive to add to all of these other conferences. You know what I'm saying? It, it, like, it's it's leadership and a 10-year fail of having their own TV network that just yep. took them out of the consciousness and arrogance. And arrogance. And I want to sit here and, again, you know, he's Vegas guy, George Klyavkov, who took over. He was kind of clueless in terms of the power they actually had. They never read the room that it was a, a game of musical chairs, and at some point, the five chairs were not going to be there anymore. One was going to be pulled, and they thought, hey, you know what? 
we're L.A., and then USC and UCLA go. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. They, that was the beginning of it. Read the friggin' room. It's desperation time. Do something. Take the money you're offered. Don't hold out for more. They blow it. Yep. And now you're here where we have to watch a conference game between Pitt and Cal. I, I honestly, I don't mind. I really don't. That, that stuff doesn't bother me, That the, the cross-country stuff. It's, it's the weird deals going in where schools aren't going to get the same amount of money, which, by the way, does need to be chronicled because it is a big deal. Money in college sports, and especially college football, does matter. And that's why this is all happening in the first place. The SEC and the Big Ten schools, eventually in the next five years, are going to be pushing 80 to $100 million per school. And the Big 12, the ACC, and what was the Pac-12 were facing getting around $30 million or $35 million per school. Now, Big 12 still gets that. So I don't under I, – I think that's the greatest victory in, in administrative history in college sports that this guy, Brett Yormack, actually convinced everyone that the Big 12 with a bunch of JUCOs and, you know, freaking trailer park schools – no insult to all those schools. I mean it nicely. Um, that those schools were more attractive – than real academic institutions with a history of being together for 50, 70, 100 years. Yeah, they, they worked it. Your Mac is a genius. And, they, and the other thing is they have the fans in the Big 12 believing, like, yeah, we belong. There are people in, in uh, Ames, Iowa, who are like, we matter. You don't. But with this crazy, kooky conference chaos, they matter. And, by the way, what a wake-up call this morning because I've heard – the same arrogance, right? Think about this. And I've been talking about it forever. There are schools that are historically linked to the power schools in some of these big conferences, and every conference has them, right? Vandy is a wonderful university, but for Vandy fans to be like, SEC, S, shut up, okay? You've been in the conference. They've been nice enough to keep you around. For Iowa State to puff out their chest, and they're like, we are so much better than... Boise State and Colorado State, are you? Or historically, they've just dragged you along. And then the wake-up call this morning in Corvallis and in Pullman, where I don't think they ever looked like they never assessed and looked around, and and they're like, I can't believe we're even in a power conference anymore. Well, they woke up today, and right now, no one wants them. And it got so bad this morning, the power schools in the Pac-4, those two left. The Big 12, the ACC don't want Oregon State and Washington State. The AAC, which is now filled with Conference USA teams. Conference USA light. Looked at Oregon State and Wazoo, and they're like, what? No, we don't want you. You have to admit, this is hilarious for arrogant college sports fans who don't don't know, and I don't mean it like to insult, but don't know their place, like how lucky they were to be in Power 5. Well, of course. I mean, the smaller scale of that is that we keep dunking on and making fun of Boise State, who thinks, like, the fans there were like, of course, of course we'll get an invite, and here We've you are. We've been good for 15 years yep. in market 88. Of course we belong. You don't. Yep. You don't. You know, you know where all these schools belong? Right now with UNLV, with Oregon State, and with Wazoo. Yep. And what's what's been the most annoying, too, about all of these fan bases as well is ignoring some of the signs of some of these group of five programs that have some real potential because of where their market is. I know that DeMond pointed out yesterday that there's that list of, like, what, sleeping giants 
uh, right? And I know UNLV was named among them. And there were so many people like, oh, UNLV, they've been terrible. Like, no, you don't understand the concept of what a sleeping giant is. Like, right. if the program actually comes along and the market size, all that kind of stuff, like, there is some potential there. It's the same thing with all of these, but it speaks to everything. You get blinded by where you're at as a fan base, and you assume it's like one of those things. Wake up on third and thought you hit a triple, and that's exactly what a lot of these fan bases, including the fan base of Iowa State, Boise State, name them. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at me, JVT, or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Snap there, spot down. Kessinger's kick is on the way. It is good! How's that for an opening act? Dragon Kessage, 47-yard game winner. Minnesota 13, Nebraska 10. Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company. Yeah, that's one of those games I can't win because I'm not a huge fan of the Huskers. Although I kind of like Matt Rule, and I think he showed how... Sooner than later, Nebraska will be somewhat relevant. He's a good coach. And then on the other side, what's wrong? What, what about that game showed that they're going to be relevant sometime soon? Oh, I just think they're more competitive. They're more physical than they've been in the past. Okay. Uh, they have a little more speed. You yeah, know, Sims, a quarterback, is nice. Um, Wasn't good last night. And then there's Captain Sweater, Fleck, at Minnesota, which uh, I assume that call, Jared, was from the uh, Gopher Radio Network as they, they win late. So they got, out correct, of there, they got out of there by the skin of their teeth. Mark McMillan is with us. He's a massive college football fan. He played at Alabama. He loves the NFL. He played with the Eagles. But um, we are just going to address him as Chef Mark McMillan from here forward. Chef, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Uh, I know last week we got off to a rough start, but, man, the fire is hot. The kitchen is cooking. My backyard is flooded out over here, man. <laughs> but, I, but I'm still good over here. <laughs> how is your kitchen cooking? Is your power back? Uh, my power is not back, but oh, I got no. a grill outside. Oh, there you go. Got, I, got the I got the grill. I got the charcoal. All right, good deal. Uh, let's get to a little college football last night, Chef. Um, what did you think of Florida in Salt Lake? That was not good. Um, it, was, it wasn't good. And, I, and I, I look at Florida, and I just remember, you know, from the old ball coach being there, how they just had so many good quarterbacks come through Florida. There's so many athletes that, uh, that's in the state of Florida alone. And it seems like they just can't seem to get a, a good signal caller. You go out and get a quarterback from Wisconsin. There's Wisconsin. We're talking about Florida. You know, you you got guys out there that's athletic, quarterbacks that can move. Um, you know, they have way too many penalties. Um, you know, I, I know Napier was really pissed off about those guys. But if you look at the defense from Florida, man, they, they kept those guys in the game. They got some dudes on their defensive side of the ball. You know, well, I was going to say, you know, they had Florida through NIL, and apparently they didn't have the money they promised, but they had Jaden Rashada, who played last night at Arizona State. Uh, he was yeah. committed for something like $5 million NIL, and then they just couldn't come up with the money. So they had an elite guy, and then they were kind of left scrambling. So uh, you are right. They do have to get elite at quarterback again. And it also shows that the previous regime just didn't recruit that well. So Florida's in some, some trouble right now. Uh, your Alabama team... You guys didn't get Arch Manning. I think there's still an open quarterback race. What do we know about Milrow, the uh, the quarterback who's going to be starting? Because I'm not sure that he's a super efficient thrower of the ball. I, I, I saw him as a running back. You know, um, last year he filled in a little bit for Bryce. You know, obviously he was a rookie. You know, he was a freshman. 
Um, he came in, he did some really good things with his leg. Um, he really wasn't that accurate as far as a passer. Now, I'm sure, you know, during the offseason, he had a lot of time to uh, work with the quarterback, uh, work with quarterback coaches. But uh, I just saw him as a running back. Like, the kid is like 6'4", 6'5", like 220, 225. He's almost like a Derrick Henry back there playing quarterback. So do we start to see this year, because of the questions at quarterback in old school Alabama, right, that was uh, dominated by their ground game and defense, do we start to see shades of the old Crimson Tide? Um, it's going to be interesting. You know, they still have the, you know some of the top running backs in, in the country, uh, the one and two guys that was uh, the last couple years in the nation recruiting. Uh, they got some really good receivers on the outside. Defense, it, it, it's like Georgia, man. They, these guys just reload. But at the quarterback position, it's been a while since the quarterback position has been unsettled there. You know, you had Hirsch, you had Tua, uh, then you had Bryce, you know, you had, you know, A.J. McCarron. You know, you had guys that uh, stepped up in a in big-time way that was everybody knew that they were going to be good. Now, you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, Milrow. We're like, I don't know. So, you know, they, they play, you know, Middle Tennessee State, so we'll see how that goes up. How did, how did Alabama find itself here? Like you mentioned, the run of quarterbacks that they had, especially the last few uh, seasons, right, and the big names and high recruits that they had. How do you get here where you're starting Jalen Monroe, you're bringing in Ty Buckner, hopefully, to help you out, and he can't really, it seems like at least, uh, crack the roster, at least the top of it. Like, how do you find yourself in this position if you're Alabama at quarterback? Um, it, it's tough. Like you said, over the last couple of years, we've been having, what, the top quarterbacks in the draft. Yeah. Um, you know, like four of those guys are starting in the NFL right now. Uh, which is which is crazy, but you know, in the position right now, we're looking at Jalen Monroe. We're like, good thing we played Middle Tennessee State, you know, so we could kind of see uh, some more other quarterbacks get you know get some run. Like I said, they got athletes on the outside, and they got a good running game that they're going to rely on heavily. But like I said, I wasn't real big on Jalen Monroe last year, so hopefully he's gotten a lot better with, with the passing. Um, you know, so we'll see, man. It's a big drop off from Bryce Young. I tell you that. Real quick, before Steve takes over, we're kind of dancing around it, Mark. It's just, it's all right. We can cope with it now. This is the beginning of the end for the Saban era, correct? Like this is all downhill from here. Oh wow. I don't, I don't see that. I don't know why people are saying that. Like they were one game away from the national championship. Like they're always going to be winning 10, 11 games. You know, so you know when Bryce went down, you know things kind of got out of hand, but. I don't think there's a, a downfall. You look at the NFL draft, they're right behind Georgia every year. Uh, right now, you know, Georgia's been dominating the NFL draft, but you look who's second and third is Alabama and Ohio State. So when you look at it at that part, I don't see it being a downfall. Uh, I think they even probably have some of the richest athletes in the National Football League. <laughs> Mark McMillan, Chef McMillan. I don't know why we're not calling him Chef every time. Uh, <laughs> I just watched the bear too. Did so. you watch the bear? I love uh, I love the bear because the, the whole show they're just like chef, 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 chef corner, chef. corner. Yep, chef. It's great. <laughs> it is tremendous. Someday we'll be chefs, and then we can all call each other chefs. But for now, uh, you're the chef. Um, are you going to leave home to go watch the Louisville game? Because I know you had some interest in Louisville, right? Don't you uh, know one of the players on the uh, Louisville team? Yeah, Jawar Jordan. Man, I, I coached him uh, as a freshman in high school back at Hamilton High School. Coached him as a freshman. And the sophomore on the JV team, uh, the kid was amazing back then. He's a 10, 300 meter guy. Uh, he's gained a lot of weight, uh, you know, since high school. He's put on some good weight. Um, he came from Syracuse and, you know, transferred over to Louisville, uh, who was actually teammates with the running back. What's the, what's the guy named from, uh, UNLV that transferred to BYU? They were actually on the same team last year, uh, you know, two years ago in Louisville. So 
Dewar Jordan, man, I tweeted it out. He is a name that everybody needs to remember. I said that about Christian Watson coming out of, you know, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, North Dakota. And people were like, ah, oh, you know, he's from a small school. But, you know, you know, he just put up rookie numbers last year uh, for the Packers. But Jawar Jordan, remember that name. This kid is electric. Mark, we're lucky to have you because I was looking at your schedule coming up. Dude, this is crazy. I want to get into some of the engagements because since you were on Next Level Chef, your schedule's gotten even crazier. I did notice, though, in the last uh, couple of weeks, when did you sit down with uh, Amber over at Vegas PBS? Uh, that looked like a hell of an interview. Yeah, we did that uh, a couple of weeks ago, man. Amber is amazing. Uh, you know, she was real uh, professional. Um, you know, kind of went back to a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't know about, uh, you know, my career. They just see what I did at Alabama and, you know, in the National Football, in the NFL. But, uh, you know, the story I told, man, I was I was a water boy. I got cut from the Pop Warner team because I was too small. So uh, shout out to Amber Dixon and, and PBS, man, for giving me an opportunity to share that story. Anything else come out that maybe you didn't want to talk about, that she coaxed you into talking about something that was taboo? Uh, you know, I, I think some jabs at Randall Cunningham. You know, that's my guy. Oh, you know, he him. was over in Buda, he was in Budapest, so he really couldn't tune in. So <laughs> you know, we had some <laughs> we had like some it. battles on the, on the on the football field in practice. You know, just me trying to make the team and you know intercepting some of his passes. And you know, back in Philly, we had an old bubble, so I had to throw his ball. You know, throw the footballs over into the neighborhood uh, that he didn't like. But uh, it, it was a great interview, man. I, I'll post more about it. Uh, on my social media feed, but like I said, since being on Next Level Chef, man, so many opportunities uh, have opened up, man, and it's just going to, it's, it's, it's ramping up. Like, every week, uh, somebody's calling me to do something or make a parent. You can follow Chef on X, at Mark McMillan 29 um, yeah, There's a great picture of you up on social media facing off with a cow. I can only assume you slaughtered it with your bare hands and made it into something delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I eat, you know, since I, I, I partnered up with these food companies and, and, and grill companies, Grilla Grill is my sponsor, uh, you know, I like to go to the, to the different farms where I'm getting my beef from and seeing how they take care of the animal. You know, I, I want to know what I'm putting into my body and my wife's body. So I had an opportunity to go to uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, uh, LaFaber Farm. Uh, you know, they had a lot of – this is my first time ever being associated or being in the presence of these massive – herds of beef and you know then they uh, it's, a, it's a duck factory that was like a mile away i'm gonna post that up it was a million ducks in this facility what? that you guys are gonna see when i post it it was unbelievable i was in a duck farm with over a million ducks <laughs> do you feel bad when you see them cooked like when you see a peking duck because when i come upon a place <laughs> that has all the peking ducks hanging up i actually shed a tear i love it so much I really do. Yeah, you usually see that in Chinatown. You know, you, you yep. see the peaking hanging up in uh, Chinatown. But uh, I just like a nice little, uh, you know, duck confit. You yeah. know, I, I got into that. You know, like I said, people, when I say that, people are like, dude, I thought you were from L.A. What are you talking about duck confit? You know, what did you start eating duck confit? You know, so. You're very uh, fancy. I, I love it. You're very fancy. Um, I will say you went back to some roots, though, and, and you know, some food that I think uh, the everyman can enjoy. I wanted to see what you thought was one of your best items the last two weeks that I saw up on social media. We're talking to Mark McMillan, Chef Mark. Um, I saw you make Hawaiian macaroni salad. I also Ooh, saw you yeah. make. I also saw a picture of some smothered chicken. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
I, I was feeling a little aloha, you know, with all the yeah. stuff that was going in, on in Maui. I was just feeling a little aloha. I said, let me try to find out how to wait, make macaroni salad like they do in Hawaii. So I made a nice macaroni salad from scratch. Uh, I made some uh, some some uh, short ribs, some Korean style short ribs, because you know over in Hawaii they love their short ribs with their mac salad. So I made that, and then obviously I had to go back to my southern roots because my mom was like, "What is all this, uh, you know, restaurant quality food you cook?" And she's like, "We were growing, up, we were grew up on uh, fried chicken and rice and smothered chicken and gravy." So I had to do that for moms. Man. I had to make the smothered smothered chicken and rice for my mom. There you go. So in October. You are going to be at the Philly Taste Fest. Well, I don't yeah. even know what is what is the VF Casino Resort, and then the next week, you're cooking in uh, in an event here with uh, one of the other guys from Next Level Chef, right? Yeah, Chef Tucker. Chef Tucker. I know you've yeah. been trying to get Chef Tucker uh, for a while. The champion of season yeah, two. Yeah, the Next champion. Level. I know she was. Man, she was good. She was so consistent. She was very good at the end. Yeah, and you will be surprised, Steve. A lot of people were coming at her like they were like really coming at her like she was like she gave up a touchdown or something. Like, oh, she can't cook. She's not good. The show is rigged. I get that all the time. She was like, man, the show was rigged. I was like, there was yeah. nothing rigged about that show. There was nope. that fire that I lit. That was real fire. That was nothing fake. <laughs> we uh, we have to get your boy uh, Matt, Big Matt, who's a Philly fan. On yep. Yep. First couple of weeks of the season to talk some Eagles, too. I'm looking forward to that. So, uh, basically, I'm telling you we have to get them on. But I'll reach out to them. I'll get them on. We'll, we'll hook that up. Um, last one. As we go into the NFL season, Mark, what are you thinking right now for the Raiders? What's I'm still confused on what the goal is. I know right now the goal is to win games. But I wonder, you know, if yeah. they get off to a slow start because the schedule is really, really tough, then what do they do? Yeah, it, it, it is tough. You know, obviously, the, you know, they got all their guys that they need. You know, they got the players that they wanted. You know, they drafted really well this year, I thought. Uh, they shored up some, some, some defensive, uh, some holes that they were that they were having in the corner position as well as the D-line position. Um, I know a lot of people are like, are the Raiders trying to tank or, you know, are they really serious? But I think when you go out and get a Jimmy Garoppolo, you pay him a lot of money. Um, I, I think you're, you're headed in the right direction. Um, you know, I... I still like Derek Carr besides all his faults and everything, but Jimmy G, I think, is a, is a slight upgrade in that uh, in that quarterback position. Um, you know, you got Josh Jacobs who's coming back. Uh, so it, it, it's going to be telling to see. Obviously, they go to Denver, which is a division rivalry for week number one. Um, in the high altitude, you know, they got the new, you know, uh, Sean Payton over there coaching. So it's going to be interesting to see them get off a, on a good start because they got a tough schedule. You gonna be at the uh, UNLV game tomorrow? I'm excited, man. I'm excited to uh, go to the game. You know, I, I opportunity to watch a couple of the practices. You know, the coaches have been real personal. I've got coaches reaching out, texting me. Um, you know, liking me being around the program. And you know me, Steve. I, I'm a I'm a college football junkie. Yep. I don't go away for halftime. I stay there. I watch the band. I like the peanuts. I like the smell of the popcorn. Uh, I'm excited for the football team, man. These kids have worked their tails off in some extreme heat conditions. Uh, Why many times I go inside in the press room and get some AC. So, um, you know, Brunfield is a guy that, that, that's getting a lot of runs, a lot of attention. Uh, he has a great upside. I'm excited to see uh, how they use him and, and Marion's new go-go offense. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare out tomorrow against the Bryant team that they should beat and they should beat handily. Hopefully they'll come out on the on the uh, on the good end 
with no major injury. Mark, I will see you there tomorrow, okay? All right, Steve-O, my man, Steve, co-field in the building, baby. Say goodbye to JVT as well. JVT in the building, man. We got to get you a, <laughs> we gotta get you a chef. <laughs> he, looked, he looked very upset. Thank you, Mark. You all right? All right. Hey, all I know is that every time I walk by Mark, when I see him in public, he stops and shakes my hand. So at least he recognizes me. The Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Nice. So many highlights to pick from during the career. Colt McCoy, nice job there by Jared, who's in for DeMond today. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. Someone is going to pick up my guy, Colt McCoy. Yeah. We uh, we actually, I would say, wasted five minutes of our time and yours in the audience. What was that, Tuesday? Where I, I tried to make the case that the Cardinals were going to be broken mentally amongst the vets because they dumped Colt McCoy for Clayton Toon, essentially. And I eventually got to the point where my argument was not working well, so I threw out a desperation shot and said, I will bet Colt McCoy throws for more yards this year than Clayton Toon. But then I backed up a little bit and said he has to be on a team. Yeah, right. He's, <laughs> he's still not on a team. Then I sent you a text the other day because there was a little little vibe on some threads about the uh, Patriots cutting all their quarterbacks except for Mac. And I was like, Colt McCoy, here we go, Colt McCoy. And? Yeah, Patriots didn't pick up Colt McCoy. No, they did not. So, Who did they add? Do you remember? Uh, it was uh, Matt Corral. Picked him up off of waivers. Matt Corral. Yeah. Over Colt McCoy. The 37-year-old Bel- Colt McCoy. Belichick has lost it. Yeah. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing anymore. I mean, you can make that argument, at least in terms of what he did with yes. that offensive staff last year. Uh, but the defense was brilliant once again. Um, I think you, you were a coward for not making that bet because you knew the second I started making the argument against it, you are like, oh, yeah, this doesn't really sound like a, a smart strategy here. <laughs> to bet that Colt McCoy would throw for more yards than Clayton Toon. It's going to happen. I just think I need him on a team, and I need him on the right team. So I need him on the Packers is what I need him on. When Why? Jordan, he's not going to play. Jordan Love flames out in four you know games. What? It's a good point. Week 18, when they're resting everybody because they have home field advantage in the playoffs. No, they're not. Maybe no. Colt McCoy can he's come right, in and throw for 350 three, yards in a I, game. I win it in one game because uh, Clayton Toon never plays or he gets hurt in game one. All right. A uh, reminder, on Saturday, we're here at uh, Treasure Island inside the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. They got a big deal going on with a uh, Red Bull Pit Stop Challenge. It's an interactive exhibit. It's out at Sirens Cove, right in front, five to ten p. Uh, visitors have the opportunity to uh, go head to head in competition. Um, this is cool. I'm not going to do it. I think I'd get hurt. But uh, you're going to try to expertly change out Pirelli racing tires on a model Red Bull racing car in record time, and then you're, I guess you get to use some of the hand drills and. That's that sounds, cool. That sounds fun. Yeah, actually, it sounds really, really cool. So head on down here. Parking is free and self-parking. Valet is free as well. It's Treasure Island with the big uh, Red Bull Pit Stop Challenge exhibit at Sirens Cove tomorrow, 5 to 10. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at BJVT or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Thomas 0 for 2, including a strikeout. He swings and crushes the first pitch. Into the corner down the right field side. It's off the wall. Is it gone? Yes! A home run for Cody Thomas, and the Aviators extend the lead. That thing barely snuck out of here. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. You hear the voice of uh, Matt Neverett, absolutely the backup 
on the broadcast to one Russ Langer. You can hear Russ tomorrow on radio. What, Russ is the voice of the aviators. I'm not trying to insult Matt. I just want to make it clear. Absolutely. Well, I just want to make it clear. Uh, Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. No offense taken whatsoever. Yeah, uh, we just had a little breaking news. And, uh, you know, making picks on these games is tough because uh, so many of the coaches' secrets around college football are tough to get. Uh, we just found out that Michigan State will be going with uh, Noah Kim mm-hmm. at quarterback, which is interesting. Uh, one of the storylines for Michigan State was a very late transfer from one Peyton Thorne, which my guess is that Freeze and Auburn were like, you know what, we need to go buy a quarterback, so let's get him from Michigan State. And that's where he's at now. So a lot to break down from the offseason. I know you guys got into it. Uh, Crackman did it this week, but tell people in the Vegas audience what you've got cooking every week with the uh, Mountain West Conference football podcast. God, that was such yeah, a so good. Yeah, Nate Crackman no, and myself take a weekly look at the action from around the conference. We usually speak with at least one coach and one broadcaster from all the, the football programs around the conference, and it's basically just a what's what of, of what's going on that week in the Mountain West. Ironically enough, it's called This Week in the Mountain West. So Nate took care of the Week Zero show, as you had mentioned, kind of more of a, a preview episode, a little bit different format-wise this year, where previously we were over network radio uh, conference-wide, so we had a little bit more constrictions as far as timing and whatnot. We're doing it more of a podcast style this year, so the episodes are going to be a little bit longer, anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes, and we're going to be able to do a little bit more of a deep dive, maybe feature even more interviews per episode, but it's yeah, basically just a weekly look at the conference. We recap the last week's action, speak to a couple folks around the conference, and preview the week's games coming up. Matt is the uh, TV voice of UNLV football on uh, Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network. I'll be on the broadcast with him tomorrow. That is a 1 o'clock kickoff at Allegiant. We'll get to that game in a couple minutes, but, Matt, let's go rapid fire around the conference since you guys are covering the conference all year long. What do we expect from Nevada in the opener catching 38 at USC with a game in hand? I mean, that's that's a big number, and I, I think it should be. You've got a USC team with something to prove. Lincoln Riley wants to you know, show that they are the, the team to beat in the Pac-12. And, of course, you've got Caleb Williams, who is the, the deserved frontrunner for the Heisman by the betting odds right now. And he looks to continue his case with another big week. They dominated San Jose State last weekend, and they welcome this Nevada team that's supposed to finish, at least in the preseason voting, uh, in, in the dredges of the Mountain West. So I, I expect nothing but a big game from Williams and the Trojans. I got to go to tonight. I don't know what's going on here. So Hawaii's back at home after putting out a fantastic effort against Vanderbilt. The market has been all over them since the jump. This opened Stanford minus 10.5. We are now down to 2.5, Neverett. Is the market getting a little wonky here? Because at some point, there is value coming back the other way on the card. Oh, certainly. You know, a Power 5 team, quote-unquote, uh, against a, a, at least for right now, a, a group of five team in Hawaii. So the number is always going to be bought back a little bit come uh, game time because of the average recreational better. Uh, I think that this one is a, a victim of, of Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it now. I've seen so many clips and quotes from Timmy Chang talking about how they don't get the respect that they deserve and they, they see all the headlines and use it as bulletin board material. And I've, my feed has been inundated with, with, with Timmy Chang this week. We'll see. I, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. Stanford's got the first-year head coach. Hawaii, as you mentioned, put up a great showing in Week 0. I think they are a team that can take advantage of Week 0 more so than, than some others as far as seeing what they have getting guys on the field, and most importantly, getting them out there. Almost no running game to speak of in that game against Vandy. Uh, the, the passing game was, was pretty strong, and a Stanford team that was among the worst in the country in terms of passing defense last year. So I think Hawaii definitely going to surprise some people. Maybe not a surprise if you've been paying attention to the market all, all week long. So the Mount West teams are actually getting a lot of action in the betting markets this week. 
Uh, one of the ones that has moved quite a bit as well, Fresno State on the road against Purdue. Uh, they are my selection, and I did bet them to win the Mountain West. What's your expectation? Are you in here with the market who thinks that Bulldogs can go out there and actually win a game against the Boilermakers? I could see it. I mean, it's a matchup where both teams are trying to replace a, a star quarterback for Fresno State. The loss of Jake Hayner is a big one, but Mikey Keene, who's, who backed up and got a lot of playing time in Fresno State's big wins last year, looking like he's going to, to get the start, and uh, he, he's experienced. I think that that certainly helps against uh, a Big Ten defensive team that has had even more turnover than, than Fresno State in, in Baylor. So, yeah, it's a well-coached team. Obviously, Jeff Tedford uh, is going to have his troops ready to go into battle, and I, I think that that is, at least in my opinion, the I, I'll say the second-best game of the week around the conference. There's one in the, the Pacific Northwest that I think will be a banger. We'll break it down. Uh, Boise is getting 14 at Washington. I assume that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that that's a big number. I mean, we've seen the Hawaii number move uh, with a Mountain West team playing against a Power 5 opponent. Uh, this one's been pretty still, and I think a lot of folks are really high on Washington. Obviously, Michael Penix Jr., the experienced, versatile, athletic quarterback for the Huskies. But this, uh, this Andy Avalos coach team, is the, the, the preseason favorite in the Mountain West, and uh, I, I think for good reason. They bring back a lot of starters. Uh, I, I really think that the resurgent performance last year by this Boise State team, especially towards the end of the season, bodes well for this matchup where they're really not getting a lot of respect in the betting market. What about Colorado State? Because they're in a pretty interesting spot. They're one of the other teams that the market's been all over uh, from a betting standpoint. Opened up 16.5 against Wazoo, and now Colorado State catching 10.5 against a future conference opponent. Yeah, and that's one that I don't uh, have as good of a read on, I, I, I will admit. Uh, Norvell had an interesting first season at the helm of that program up in Fort Collins, and th that's going to be a team where I, I think that they are going to go out and, and show something this week. I mean, obviously you mentioned the number move. I think a lot of that is due to the, the recreational better, just seeing the matchup. Obviously the storylines around Washington State potentially to the Mountain West, so people are seeing this as a, a potential future in-conference matchup, and I think that that is driving a lot of the action on that one. And, and when that occurs, typically a, a Power 5 team against a Group of 5 team uh, in, in Week 0 or Week 1, I guess, will uh, we'll get a lot of the money. So I, I could see the line move uh, being attributed to a lot of square money. This is a Colorado State team that really not a lot of people know a ton about. What are your expectations for Wyoming? Because I find myself at odds with a lot of people, I think even Cofield included. I think there's a lot to like about what Craig Bowles done with that program most every year, but quarterback position and offensive line are a big question for me. They're 14-point underdogs at home against Texas Tech. Yeah, and this is a really good matchup, I think, for, for week one for Craig Bowl and company to try and kind of test their mettle. Defense, obviously, the, the trademark of this Wyoming team over the last couple of seasons. They've got 15 starters coming back, and I think that that is one of the, the most underrated numbers that not a lot of people, uh, at least in week one, kind of use in their in their betting terms, especially given the fact that the game is up in Laramie, which I, I think is huge. It's going to be about the offense. Just looking at some numbers right now, they were the 111th ranked offense in the country. They scored just over 21 points a game. So the defense is going to be there with a lot of the returning starters on offense. I think they're going to be a resurgent group against this Red Raiders team. Listen to the Mountain West podcast. You can find it up on Apple and Spotify. It's at the top of my Twitter page, and we'll uh, – Send it out on a bunch of our handles as uh, Nate Crackman and the uh, the expert today on uh, college football, on Mountain West football, on the Aviators as well, and on UNLV. Matt Neverett is with us, but he's one of the hosts of it. Uh, Matt, let's talk about UNLV, and you were out at a bunch of practices. Uh, give me something that impressed you that you, you really liked about this Rebel team. I was, number one, really impressed with 
just the, the media savvy of some of the, the players and especially some of the newcomers that had been with Barry Odom thinking about uh, Jackson Woodard and the development of Doug Brumfield with the media. I mean, it's one of those things that uh, coming from an SEC program, you know that those conversations are had where Barry Odom kind of schooling his guys up on, on his way. I thought that the practices were, you know, really well run, really well orchestrated. You and I heard Jackson Woodard talk about, you know, it feels like an SEC practice and he backed up first team All-American last year in an SEC program. So he knows a thing or two about the SEC practices. So that was really good to hear. And I thought it was really encouraging also to hear what guys like Amani Trigg Wright and Doug Brumfield both had said about the offensive line. They both admitted that in the spring it was not really as communicative as they'd like it to be, not as cohesive a unit. It was kind of guys blocking individually, but we heard Amani Trigg Wright, who was voted a team captain, talking about just the, the communication and the togetherness of this offensive line group that's got some new bodies, some guys playing in some different positions, but that stood out right away to hear, you know, multiple people at different position groups talking about that particular group in the offensive line. Matt, tell people about the TV broadcast tomorrow. You can find it on the Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network, also on the Mountain West Network uh, on the conference's website. It should be a really fun matchup. It's it, this Bryant team that UNLV is playing is a high-flying offense as far as the Big South in the FCS is concerned. It's their third year in a row playing against a FBS team at any point in the year, and they've actually held a second-half lead in both of the two previous games. So this is a Bryant team that's, that's not afraid to go on the road and take on an FBS opponent. It's a high-flying offense against what's supposed to be a really resurgent UNLV defense led by new defensive coordinator Mike Shearer and a lot of newcomers on that defensive side, especially in the starters. Uh, it, it should be a really fun game, a lot of offense, and with some of the new rules changes as far as the, the timing on, on first downs and otherwise, it, it should be a really quick-moving game in terms of the, the tempo. All right, in Henderson, it's pouring. John lives in the south part of town. It was pouring there. Uh, you were over uh, in the west. Red Rock area at the ballpark. You got Salt Lake here coming up for three games. What's going on weather-wise? So, yeah, at the ballpark right now looking out on the field, we actually put the tarp on probably about two hours ago, and I'm actually getting the signal uh, that just after 4 o'clock we're going to uh, take the tarp off. It's, yeah. it's expected to uh, kind of rain on and off throughout the night, but as of right now we're, we're still going to – it's still scheduled 705 first pitch and it looks like right now we're going to be good to go the the awesome fields crew here led by uh, groundskeeper isaiah lino that they do an awesome job they're out there right now uh squeegeeing a lot of the the water off of the tarp but yeah it, it is dry it's not raining here and we are we are still good to go at 705 yep nice and cool aviators bobblehead night yeah. tonight and then uh you know can you uh, pilfer a couple of pickleball paddles for me can you grab those for me? You know yeah. what? For you, for you, Cofield, anything. The, the, uh, I, the, the pickleball panels are yours. I will start playing pickleball if uh, Matt never hooks Not me a up. lot of movement. You can do it. Oh, thank Let's you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, Matt. Thank you. Good job, buddy. Absolutely. Looking forward to it tomorrow.